Welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalzer. Alongside me always, uh, John Paulson, and, and we're gearing up for week one. We're recording on Thursday afternoon. I'm sure, John, you've you got to be a little uh, nervous, a little anxious to watch your Packers tonight play against the Bears. There's a lot going on, uh, and we're going to get into it. And on top of everything, we got the Packers debuting with the new coach tonight against the the our travel bears. So yeah, I would say I'm a little stressed out. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we'll make sure that we uh, get you through the podcast here. Tell us about the music first. Yeah, it's actually my birthday today. Uh, and oh, I've, congrats. Happy birthday, my man. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and I, somebody tweeted at me and said that you share a birthday, or I share a birthday with Freddie Mercury. So wow. I thought a queen song would be appropriate today. Hammer to fall is the name of the track. It's from uh, their album, the works. Uh, from 1984, so I've added it to the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find on Spotify. If you can't find it there, just check out any of the podcast posts on um, the website, 444.com, and you should be able to find a link to the the playlist uh, there. So check it out. Well, I got you a present, but you can't unwrap it until after the Bears-Packers game. Is that okay? All right. Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> We're going to go over the latest Antonio Brown news and injuries and then discuss a few of John's sneaky starts. But first, I want to let you know, fantasy football season, it's here. And we have partnered with DraftKings to bring you any of our 4 for 4 memberships for free. All you have to do is go to 444.com backslash DraftKings and follow the instructions there. And if you want to join the biggest season-long tournament ever, then you need to enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft with a grand prize of $1 million. Just search for draft in the app store or go to draft.com and get a free entry into the best ball championship when you make your first deposit with promo code 444. If you think you have what it takes, then draft today for a shot at the $1 million jackpot. All right, let's dive into the podcast. Here's the latest with Antonio Brown. Earlier today, which is Thursday, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that the Raiders are planning on suspending Antonio Brown. GM Mike Mayock reportedly got into it with AB on Wednesday, and the team now is planning to suspend their star receiver. John, we don't know if it's suspension for Game 1 against the Broncos, which is on Monday night. We don't know if it's a three-game suspension. We don't know if Mike Mayock is maybe taking it even a step further, looking at the contract and releasing Antonio Brown. There's a lot that we don't know ahead of Week 1. So with that, if if he is suspended, walk us through it from a, a fantasy perspective and how you're kind of handling things with your rankings. I think you broke it down well. We don't know anything. Uh, this might blow over. They're, they're, the report is that they're planning to suspend him, and that could be they suspend him for a quarter of the game of week one. Uh, you know, Or it could be they're done, they're done with him and they're trying to find a way out of this contract, uh, which would have been, you know, that would go to a arbitrator probably and he would have a you know Antonio Brown would have a case and then it'd be drawn out for a while and he'd probably get cut released and then go sign with another team um I'm troubled because our week one or not our week one our draft uh preseason projections lock for accuracy purposes tonight and we have like no idea where <laughs> Antonio Brown is going to be playing if he's going to be playing uh so that throws that whole situation up in the air um but for, from just a week one standpoint, let's say Brown is out, uh, assuming he doesn't play. And just looking at the Raiders, generally speaking, Tyrell Williams is, is actually a really good uh, receiver. He didn't get a chance to, to shine as much as he probably should have when he was with the Chargers. Uh, he had a good season. I think it was a 1,000-yard season. And then the last couple of years, 
he's taken a back seat to Keenan Allen, and then Mike Williams came in last year, and there was always a good tight end there, uh, Antonio Gates. So he was kind of playing third, fourth fiddle in the uh, in the passing game there, and never got a chance to sort of build off of his really good season. And the Raiders signed him to a, a big contract, uh, the guaranteed money and the annual salary uh, indicated that they really liked him and they want to use him. So if, if Brown is out and it probably frees up, you know, 12 targets a game, I would say, on average, you're looking at Williams, you know, getting bumped up to that range where he's, you know, the number one guy on a on a bad offense, and that would probably put him in the mid-30s uh, on a weekly basis, maybe higher if things get going. Um, they've also got Hunter Renfro, J.J. Nelson. J.J. Nelson probably would get the biggest bump in snaps because uh, – He'd probably take over uh, most of Antonio Brown's snaps. Hunter Renfro is more the slot guy. They have Dwayne Harris, who's like a return specialist, and Ryan Grant is there as well. Um, the entire offense would be downgraded if AB is out. Uh, Carr would be downgraded. He's you know hasn't proven that he can overcome uh, problems at receiver. Uh, and I think uh, along with Williams, I think Darren Waller would get a little bit of a bump too. And he's looking uh, better and better as a late round uh, tight end. I know his Sleeper status is definitely in question at this point with everybody kind of pumping him up. But uh, uh, I think on a weekly basis in this receiving core, Tyrell Williams and Darren Waller would be uh, startable uh, most weeks. Uh, John, the good news is, as you, try, you you kind of stress a little bit about Antonio Brown and figuring out what the situation is in Oakland, it's not so uh, convoluted in Dallas now after the Cowboys signed Ezekiel Elliott to a six-year, $90 million contract extension. That holdout didn't go into week one. We know that Ezekiel Elliott will be in uniform when the Cowboys line up against the Giants on Sunday. NFL Network's Jane Slater is reporting that right now, the plan is for Ezekiel Elliott to get 20, 20 to 25 reps against the Giants in week one. What, any, any concerns whatsoever about starting Ezekiel Elliott in one of your uh, RB1 or RB2 slots? Yeah, I don't know what 20 to 25 reps means. Does that mean snaps? Does that mean touches? Uh, if it's a touches, then he's getting not quite – I think his touches were pretty high last year. I don't know if 20 to 25 would cover him, uh, but he would obviously get a lot of work if he's getting 20, 20 to 25 touches. Right. I basically have him projected right now for 80% of what his workload production was last year. Uh, with the allowance that 20% is going to go to Tony Pollard uh, and or uh, Alfred Morris. I, they probably don't want to give him his usual workload in week one after he's been out all of camp, and you wonder if his football shape is there, uh, especially against the Giants, too. If they jump out to a lead, maybe they don't need to uh, use Elliott much in the second half, but if they had that lead, he probably had a pretty good half. So. Uh, I would still start him unless we get more information about what the touch count will be or the snap count will be. Uh, it's just too good of a matchup. He's too good of a player to, to have on your bench um, in week one if, if he's if he's active and playing. So the situation in L.A. with Melvin Gordon, not as pretty as the Ezekiel Elliott news or not as um, positive with Ezekiel Elliott getting his contract and the Cowboys having their star running back in place. Here's the latest with Melvin Gordon. According to MMQB's Albert Breer, the Eagles offered Jordan Howard and a swap of mid-round picks to the Chargers in exchange for holdout Melvin Gordon. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport also reported that uh, Melvin Gordon, the trade just does not sound like it's actually going to happen. The Chargers are reportedly looking for a 2020 first-round pick. Teams aren't going to give up a a 2020 first-round pick 
for the rights to have Gordon for a year and then, you know, decide on whether or not they're, they're, they're going to uh, pay him, right? So it doesn't look like the Chargers are going to be able to trade him. The other aspect here, too, and I'm, lo- I'm looking, for, you know, tell us about your, your thoughts on Melvin Gordon, the Chargers, but also how about the Eagles maybe offering Jordan Howard? I wonder what that means for, for uh, uh, Miles Sanders, the, the young rookie there in Philadelphia. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe Jordan Howard's expendable, according to the, <laughs> to the Eagles. But, I mean, they're trying to get a running back in return. So sure, it's, yeah. Uh, they're looking to upgrade the position. So I don't think it's a like a huge vote of confidence for Miles Sanders, or, nor do I think it's a, a downgrade for him. As far as – I mean, first of all, I want to say that I think we've turned the, turned the corner on the Chargers now that we know. I think we're, we've been really good about calling them the Los Angeles Charger, Chargers and not talking about San Diego anymore. So I want to give ourselves <laughs> a pat on the back. For that, especially you, you just you just said L.A. instead of San Diego, so that was a great job. That's good. <laughs> Thanks, John. Um, but, you know, this whole – we've talked about this. I mean, Elliot and Gordon, how many times on this pod over the last month and a half? And we thought – I don't want, like, toot my own horn. I just felt like the positive vibes around the Elliot situation were, were there. Right. Uh, there was some negativity there here and there, but for, for the most part, you could kind of read the tea leaves and, and understand that Jerry Jones values Elliot more than the Chargers value Gordon, and Elliot is better than Gordon. Uh, so he's more likely to get paid. And now we have this, now we have the Chargers allowing the, you know, Gordon to start negotiating a trade, which, I mean, that's got to be awkward for an agent to be like calling up teams and saying, do you want Melvin Gordon? What would we be willing to give up? Right. You're trying to find a team that is willing to pay him reportedly $13 million a year and is willing to give up whatever the Chargers require for his services, and it sounds like it's a first or second round pick. There, there can't be many teams that would be willing to do that, and even ones that are in dire straits at running back probably wouldn't do it because they realize that the running back position is not that valuable these days. Like, I mean, it's just... It's not a, he's not a player of Elliott's caliber. He's a good player. He's productive for that team and that offense. So I still think that he's going to report midseason, get his year of service, and then the Chargers probably will – I mean, I, would, I don't know what the Chargers will do next year. They may not even franchise tag him. Or they might franchise tag him, and then he's back in the same situation. Uh, or he'd be, he'd be in the same situation Le- Le'Veon Bell was. You know, Bell didn't sign the, the tender and sat out the whole year. And he's – not young either, Gordon, at this point. He's getting to where he's late, his late 20s when this is all done and he actually hits free agency. He's not going to get the kind of contract that he wants, so he might end up signing for the $10 million or whatever the Chargers were offering. However, the GM there, the president there, said that um, extension talk is on pause until after the season, so I don't even know that they can negotiate if, he's willing, if that team is willing to negotiate an extension any further. So to me, this is just playing out the way I had feared. Um, he's not reporting week one uh, and the, like on all likelihood, he misses all of September and there's no movement on this until possibly mid season when there's actually a deadline for him to report, to get his year of service. You have been, at least you, you had the uh, pulse of the situation, both Elliot and Melvin Gordon. You said you don't want to toot your own horn, but look, we did a podcast fairly recently where you outlined why, why the Ezekiel Elliott situation had uh, more positivity coming out of it in Dallas than maybe Melvin Gordon in L.A. So I, I, I want to give you a, a lot of credit and a lot of listeners 
know that as well. I mean, you, you kind of outline, look, the Melvin Gordon thing, this doesn't sound good whatsoever, and it could actually head into the regular season. Ezekiel Elliott, not so much. So uh, as we sit here on the eve of opening night, you, uh, John, you absolutely nailed it. Uh, it's running back by committee day-to-day, to day, apparently. So the Ravens, Bills, Chargers, and Eagles all confirmed in the last day or so that they'll be using multiple backs to start the season. Does any of this surprise you, John? Not really. I mean, let us I'll just go through them one by one. Baltimore, their lead back is going to be Mark Ingram. They signed him to a, a big deal. Uh, he's going to be the lead back. There's going to be a ton of carries in that offense, not, not even including Lamar Jackson. Uh, there's going to be a lot of just running back carries and touches there, so they're not going to run Ingram out there 350 times. Justice Hill will be involved. Uh, Gus Edwards, who's pretty good behind that line last year, will also be involved. Um, but I think you know Ingram is going to be the lead back, I think, and he's a pretty safe bet as a fantasy RB2 on a weekly basis. Um, Buffalo, the LaShawn McCoy release has now opened up quite a few snaps. Um, Devin Singletary... And Frank Gore uh, reportedly going to be splitting work on first and second down. T.J. Yeldon likely playing on third down. And this is not a great offense. So you can do the math there. There's just X number of touches available, X number of touchdowns. And and, then those X's are not very high. (laughs) And splitting in by three uh, is not going to be pretty until they decide that they want to just feed the ball to Singletary or whoever. I did pick up Frank Gore in a a league because I do – feel like he could be a 12 to 14 carry kind of guy that you could run out there in your flex if you have a buy or something like that and uh that's about it i mean singletary is already uh, you know off the waiver wire is drafted so uh we have to see how they're going to use him before we can sort of start him with any sort of confidence uh the chargers are going to be i think austin eckler in a 15 to 17 touch role with uh, justin jackson in a 8 to 10 touch role uh that could get a little more to a 50-50 split if you know Jackson is super productive and is outproducing Eckler. Um, but I think they want Eckler to be the lead back there. And then uh, we touched on it briefly, but you know Miles Sanders has been tearing up camp. He, he's much more dynamic uh, than Jordan Howard. He can also catch the ball, which Jordan Howard is not good at. Uh, and they also have a couple other backs there in Philly. But um, you know I think Miles Sanders in that offense is a safer start than you know, Justice Hill or Devin Singletary uh, with these other offenses uh, because the Eagles are going to score a lot of touchdowns, uh, especially in week one here against the the Redskins. There's a good chance that he has a nice game uh, in a pretty favorable matchup against uh, Washington. All right. I saw your tweet earlier today about Kenyon Drake, which had a quote from head coach Brian Flores, who said, this is a guy who who, who has as much talent as we have on our team, he's fast, he's physical, he's explosive, he makes a lot of plays, and we're looking forward to getting him a lot of touches this week. Um, thoughts thoughts on Kenyon Drake and the possibility that he could be one of the primary focal points of Miami's offense? Well, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say I feel vindicated. I, I tweeted <laughs> out uh, earlier, like whenever I try, I'm talking to people about Kenyon Drake, I, I tweeted out a gif of Jerry Maguire uh, when he's leaving his office and he's got the fish in one right. hand and he's like, you know, who's coming with me? Who's, who's coming with me? And he's looking, that's how I feel. Like that's I'm trying you, to talk right. people. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to talk people into Kenyon Drake and it's a weird feeling sometimes, but um, I, I'm glad that the coach said this. I think the running back coach said in the same article that, you know, Kalen Blodge is also going to play. So 
this is not the week to get excited about them. They're playing the Ravens. I think they're really just a fancy points allowed to running backs. I think they're uh, right up there. He could see some work and dump offs. He might end up with four catches for 50 yards or something and maybe score a touchdown, but uh, as a receiver, but uh, you know, I'm looking long-term, you know, as your RB three, RB four, you probably don't need him this week. You know, maybe you're thinking about him as a flex. Hopefully you can just let him uh, just bench him and let this play itself out. Because I think once they see Drake and Balaj in game action, they're going to, um, you know, pick Drake to be the lead back there. And he's the one that's going to end up getting 15 plus touches a game. All right, on the injury front, things are looking good for Amari Cooper, Robbie Anderson, Marquise Lee, Aaron Jones, Paul Richardson, and Demarius Thomas. We're all expected to play. Wanted to ask you about a few players who are trending towards questionable, though, and we'll start off with the game tonight with Bears tight end Trey Burton. He's got a groin injury. Again, he's questionable. Thoughts on whether or not Trey Burton's going to line up tonight against Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of hoping he doesn't because it's the Packers, but you know, I don't wish ill will on Trey Burton. I'm probably now that I said that, I'm sure he's going to play and probably You're catch a touchdown. You're asking for it now, right? Uh, you know, that's just I just jinxed myself or did the reverse jinx or something. Uh, but you know, Adam Shaheen is the blocking tight end there. If Burton is out, uh, you know, maybe he gets a couple extra ta- targets. But uh, Ben Bronacker apparently is the actual U tight end replacement for Burton, so he would be probably seeing the most uh, increase in actual snaps played. Uh, and I don't know if he's going to produce what Burton does, but uh, those are the two players that are going to pick up the slack. And I would probably count more on the receivers like Taylor Gabriel or maybe a Cordero Pius Patterson. Uh, Anthony Miller maybe making an extra player or two uh, as a receiver. All right, moving on, players, again, that could be question or that, that, that likely are going to be questionable, including Stephon Diggs, who's got a, a hamstring injury. Your thoughts on the Minnesota wide receiver? Yeah, TJ Hernandez uh, hit me up in Slack and said happy birthday, and I said, thank you. I'm, I'm celebrating by looking up Stefan Diggs' injury history. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no better way to celebrate. Yeah, there's no better way to celebrate. Uh, we've talked before on the pod. Long-time listeners will recognize some of this, these stats, and um, basically the uh, the theory or the, the proof, I guess, that Diggs uh, – when he has to play through an injury designation, he doesn't produce as well as when he's completely off the injury report. So this is something that I definitely pay attention to with him when I'm ranking him because he has proven over the years that he just doesn't do well when he's nicked up. Uh, and they changed the you know injury de- designation before, so you can't say probable anymore. It's just questionable. And then a lot of, if you're if you're better than questionable, they end up getting removed from the injury report, so they don't show up after the fact. Like if I go back and look at last. Uh, year's uh, injury report, they'll just show the questionables. They won't show uh, any of the uh, information about whether or not he was listed as um, limited or anything in uh, during the week. So what we have to work with, uh, just the six career games where he has played through an injury designation, so he's been either questionable or probable if it was a few years ago. Uh, and he actually played through it and wasn't removed from the injury report. He averaged 4.3 catches for 37 yards and .17 touchdowns. He had two games that were decent, 13.9 PPR points, 12.9 PPR points, and the other three were 9.9, 6.7, 3.8, and 7.2. The average is not good. Um, And then I remember a stat heading into 2017, the seven games where he was listed on the injury report at some point during the week. I had that information at that point. Four catches for 37 yards, .14 touchdowns. So similar numbers as what we're seeing in the six games where he's uh, played through an injury designation. Um, 
I'm, I was already worried about Diggs and this passing offense and Adam Thielen for that matter, uh, due to them likely going run heavy this year under OC Kevin Stefanski. Mike Zimmer has reiterated that they are going to establish the run this year, and that's very important to them. So, you know, the big, it looks like a big Dalvin Cook year, and heading into this game, if Diggs is out there, it's hard to be, it's hard to play him, honestly. I'd rather, there's probably 25 other receivers I'd rather play, and I'd really rather probably play 30 or 35, so we'll see where he ends up on Sunday uh, in my rankings. But Thielen probably gets a little bump uh, in terms of extra targets, but he'll also have extra attention from the Atlanta uh, defense and secondary. Uh, Chad Beebe and B.C. Johnson are the other receivers there. They would get a little bit of a bump in terms of targets if, if Diggs is out. Um, obviously, Kirk Cousins would uh, take a hit if he's without Diggs as well. All right, let's move on to Jordan Reed. I mean, lo and behold, John, uh, big surprise, Jordan Reed is a little banged up. I don't know if you uh, would, would ever <laughs> think about talking about Jordan Reed being injured whatsoever, but um, he's – Got, he's dealing with a concussion, which, of course, is not funny. I'm not trying to make light of the concussion or anything like that. But, look, Jordan Reed has been uh, very injury-prone throughout his course of his career. So tell us a little bit about Vernon Davis. Yeah, uh, Reed actually participated a little bit in practice today, so we'll see if he's able to get clear. But he's still in the concussion protocol, so he's not cleared to play yet. We'll usually find these things out on Saturday. But if he's out, Vernon Davis is a sneaky start if he sits. Uh, in 15 games over the last three seasons that um, – Davis has played with Reed sidelined. He's averaged 3.1 catches for 40 yards and 0.27 touchdowns. That's low end, tight end one, uh, fantasy tight end one production. So, if you're in a, if you're in a pinch at tight end, he's not a bad pickup, uh, plug and play type of player. If Reed is out, um, if Reed plays, then you know I think he's worth starting. It means he's. It's not like it's a soft tissue injury or something that's going to limit his mobility or you know, pain that he has to play through. If he gets cleared through the concussion protocol, he should be uh, good to go. All right. We're going to discuss a few, a few of John's sneaky starts after a word first from our sponsors, including, hey, fantasy football season is here, and we have partnered with DraftKings to bring you any of our 4 for 4 memberships for free. All you have to do is go to 4for4.com backslash DraftKings and follow the instructions. That's right. You'll get our ultimate, ultimate lineups. Uh, optimal lineups, excuse me, custom waiver wire pickups, draft analyzer software, trade evaluator, and all the other great features in our memberships, all for $5, which you can then enter into contest to potentially win more. We're super excited to bring you this deal. If you want to access it right away, go to 444.com backslash DraftKings. It's 444.com backslash DraftKings and follow the instructions there. Also, fantasy football fans, listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Well, of course you do. If you love fantasy football, which we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million best ball championship on draft. That's right, $3.5 million, real money, going to be huge. Here's how best ball works. It's season-long, but with no management. Just set it, forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best players get automatically started, and you'll get the best score every week, guaranteed. No salary caps. Play in a real live snake draft, just like you do when you play with your friends in a season-long league. There's no better place to play, and you can draft a team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple of minutes, so you can draft one right now, in fact. Just do a draft 
and you could be a millionaire in 16 weeks or later if that uh, it really doesn't get any easier than that so join us today on draft download the app anytime just search draft in the app or play store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on draft.com whenever you want right now all new players get a free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit but you have to use promo code 444 that's right play a real money game for free just by using promo code 444 on your first deposit on draft just search draft in the app store or go to draft.com and come play for free with promo code 444 that's the number four f-o-r number four all right john let's do some uh sneaky starts for week one always always one of my favorite aspects of the podcast you wrote you wrote about four different qbs in your article but let's talk about nick Foles specifically is he set up for a good day against the kansas city chiefs defense which had more than a few holes a year ago uh, even when they were on their run to the afc championship game yeah, I think the I think in general the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to throw more than what maybe the general public thinks they they're not really the run heavy team that uh, they're not built that way uh, anymore. They obviously got the quarterback, uh, they jettisoned uh, Blake Bortles. Uh, Nick Foles doesn't run the ball at all; he doesn't scramble much, so he's going to you know more pass attempts there. Uh, the OC they got from uh, Minnesota, he was fired for being too pass happy. Uh, so in general, I think. There's some upside here with this Jacksonville passing game. You know, the receivers aren't great, but they did get Marquise Lee back. D.D. Westbrook is pretty good. D.J. Uh, Chark is apparently doing well. Keelan Cole, uh, Chris Conley. So they have like some guys that can make plays. Uh, but for this specific game, it's more about the, the defense. The Chiefs were 32nd and just a fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks last year. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they their offense is so good and the opposing teams had to pick up the pace and throw more than they wanted to against the Chiefs. Uh, that resulted in more uh, passing stats. Um, but the Chiefs, you know, pass defense is not great either. They're kind of a mediocre defense in general. Uh, so that lends itself to quarterbacks having good numbers. Last year, the 16 quarterbacks who attempted at least 24 passes against the Chiefs averaged 292 yards passing and 1.9 touchdowns per game. Uh, the Chiefs did pick off 9.94 interceptions per game, but that works out to 17.3 fantasy points per game just from from passing. And with Foles, that's what you can sort of expect because he's not going to add any points in the running game. He's averaged uh, 0.43 fantasy points per pass attempt since 2013. Um, if the Chiefs and the Chiefs allowed an average of 39 pass attempts last season, if he hits both marks, uh, that's 16.8 fantasy points. You're getting to be about the same level there about 17 fantasy points out of Foles and for a guy that is probably available on the waiver wire uh in in a lot of leagues uh or in uh two quarterback leagues is probably sitting on the bench you know he's he's worth a start this week what makes a good running back a sneaky start and who fits the bill this week so so just generally speaking what what makes a good running back a sneaky start what are you looking for and then again who how does that apply to this week well when I put the article together I'm looking down the rankings and Generally, not picking anybody in the top twenty unless it's a uh, a backup who's starting because of an injury and ends up, you know, in the in the top twenty. Like, you know, last year Austin Eckler would have qualified for that. Tevin Coleman, uh, when Devonta Freeman went down, might have qualified the first couple of weeks. Basically, I want to get everybody who reads the article up to speed that this person's starting now, and you need to learn this name if you don't know it already. Um, so that's part of it. As I go down the rankings and I'm looking 
typically for number two running backs on teams that have favorable matchups with either teams that are really bad against the run or there's a high total in the game or the high uh, implied total for the team that uh, the, the player plays for, uh, then that means there's extra touchdowns and points available, uh, yards available uh, to the running game, and possibly some extra touches if the RB1 is benched uh, for rest or whatever reason if the game gets out of hand. So, you know, for this week, guys like Matt Breda jump out, you know, against Tampa. Uh, you know, Tevin Coleman is likely the, the lead back there, but that could be a 55-45 type split. And Breda showed last year that he's really productive when he gets enough touches. Um, he uh, he averaged 12.8 touches per game last season, 77 total yards and 0.35 touchdowns. Um, those are solid RB2 numbers. So, you know, if he sees 45, 50% of the touches, uh, he should see those same touches again, 12.8 touches per game because the San Francisco running backs averaged 26.1 touches per game last year. So, you know, if he's at 40, 45, he might be below that. Maybe he's a high-end RB3. You know, maybe he's getting, uh, you know, RB1 touches in a game or two if Tevin Coleman's nicked up. Um, but for this week against Tampa, 27th and adjusted fantasy points allowed running backs, I think he's a, a, a relatively sneaky start. And then another player that jumped out to me is Royce Freeman. We're not sure about his workload relative to Philip Lindsay, but the, uh, the the scuttlebutt out of Denver was that they were trying to get him more involved. A couple of beat writers even said that he's he's likely to see more carries than Lindsay this year, and if that's the case, uh, he should uh, produce more fancy points. Um, you know, he was dealing with an ankle injury at the start of last year and just never really got going, and Lindsay sort of took over and uh, was the lead back. I think they're still going to for, uh, form a tandem, but we might see a, a shift in the number of carries and who leads in carries. Uh, and then the matchup for Freeman is Oakland, a uh, team that's kind of disarray right now. Uh, they were 19th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, so we'll see how they are against the run this year. Uh, but you could see the Broncos uh, scoring a couple, three touchdowns, four touchdowns in this one, and, and Freeman maybe getting one or two of those. All right. I saw your tweet about Albert Wilson, and you have him listed as a sneaky star for week one. What makes you think he's a good play this week? Yeah, I, I, I wanted to underline Wilson because he sort of is flying under the radar. He had the whole hip injury, uh, and it kept him on most of the offseason. He's back at camp. Uh, they're still listing him on the on the injury report uh, as limited, uh, but he's expected to play. He was super productive last year in seven games. Uh, he had a 18.6 reception share, 25% yardage share, and a 26.7 touchdown share in the games that he played in. He's also going to play a lot in the slot, and the and Ryan Fitzpatrick is noted uh, for being the um, quarterback that targets the slot the most. Scott Barrick uh, tweeted this out about um, Ryan Fitzpatrick: highest rate of passes targeting slot receivers, twenty six point four percent. Ryan Fitzpatrick minimum six hundred attempts since two thousand and nine. Uh, so Fitz likes to throw to the slot. Uh, Albert Woods Wilson runs in the slot, and I just want to mention Matt Harmon. Uh, his analysis of Albert Wilson when he looked at his route running this year, he just basically called him a damn fine receiver, and he thought that uh, he thought that Wilson could play a um, Julian Edelman type role for the Dolphins. So that means something when you have the regime coming from Shadow Shea coming from um, from New England in that offense. So you, you know maybe you see Wilson play that Edelman role. Obviously, it's going to be poor man's Edelman given the quarterback situation and. 
uh, the offense in general, but uh, I think Albert Wilson in general, people are sleeping on him a little bit. He's out there on a lot of waiver wires, uh, but PPR formats, I think he's a, a good pickup. All right, you also mentioned Ted Ginn. We're talking about sneaky starts, talking about guys that uh, could be highlighted, that maybe you'd go through your, your starting lineup and your bench and you get to Ted Ginn. I mean, why, why Ted Ginn against Houston on Monday? Yeah, I can't quit Ted Ginn, and he's playing at home. <laughs> Uh, he's playing at home. In his last 10 home games, again, has averaged 3.9 catches for 60 yards and 0.4 touchdowns. Those are low-end uh, wide receiver two numbers. He's I have him ranked, I think, in the 40s. Uh, so he's a more of a flex option because I think everybody's expecting Traquan Smith to break out, but until I see uh, him getting more targets on a consistent basis, then again, I'm, I'm still going to go with Ginn. Uh, and then there's been much made about Drew Brees decline or that he's just not a um you know a high-end qb1 anymore but when you when he plays at home he's still elite there's seven games last year at home he averaged 321 yards and three touchdowns per game in those seven games so if you have breeze you want to start him in all of his home games and then i think you start his receivers as well and and, and again is um definitely a guy who plays better at home on the on the fast turf there in the superdome all right, we already talked about Vernon Davis and Darren Waller at tight end. How about Tyler Eifert uh, as your sneaky star for that position? Yeah, it's funny, you know, looking at rankings and how you know how other people rank, and they have these injury-prone guys, you know, ranked let's say 16th or 18th uh, for their draft rankings, and then you go to week one and they're healthy and they're still ranked 16th or 18th, and this is the time you want to start Eifert if you. <laughs> If you drafted him and he's you know he's a decent you know one of your two tight ends maybe or your only tight end you definitely want him in the lineup. Um, he's healthy. AJ Green is out, so there's some targets available, some touchdowns available potentially. Um, the past three seasons, he's averaged 3.4 catches for 44 yards, 0.43 touchdowns. Uh, in the four green in the four games that AJ missed, AJ Green missed in that sub subset. Eifert posted 3.3 catches for 38 yards and a full touchdown per game 1.0 touchdowns per game on 5.5 targets per game so the 11.4 uh fancy points and half ppr would make him, make him the uh, number four tight end in my week one ranking so he has top five upside uh when healthy in this offense especially with green green out um so are we, am i expecting that no that's why i have him ranked lower but i i, I think he's a, a sneaky start he's a pretty good dfs play with the price is right um if he's healthy right now, so you want to you want to start him if you drafted him. <laughs> All right, great stuff, John. As always, hey, good luck uh, to your Packers and and happy birthday, my man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So that's John Paulson. I'm Anthony Stolzer. It's been the most accurate podcast. We'll be with you each and every week, uh, mostly on Fridays. Had to record on Thursday because of uh, some scheduling on my end. John, I appreciate you being flexible with everything. And again, we'll uh, we'll be back next week to to do a lot of the same stuff, covering news, outlooks for the weeks sneaky starts, things like that. So hopefully you enjoy another season with us, and uh, we do appreciate you listening. So until the next time, this has been the Most Accurate Podcast.